Morning, guys. How's everybody? It's great to see everyone this morning. Happy Sunday. Um, before we get into our, um, our sermon this morning, I'm just gonna, we're going to have a little bit of a family moment uh, here because uh, something of what I'm going to talk about is us being a community and what that looks like. Um, but this week, one of our community members uh, is, is suffering a little bit. Uh, Jonah Silva's mom passed away last week. He heard, I think, Sunday. And um, he's, he's a part of our youth. He's a part of this church. We love Jonah and his family big time. And uh, what I'm going to ask of us this morning is I know that we've already worshipped in our giving, in our tithes. But I'm going to ask us to go above and beyond that this morning. Um, they're in a place where they need some help with the funeral arrangements. Obviously, this was quite unexpected. And so I'm going to ask for you guys, if you can, uh, this morning, if we can give to help them. And so if you can, uh, you can write a check. What I'm asking for you this morning is if you are going to help them and write a check, please designate on the check. Just put Jonah's name on there. And then also you can give at the welcome table this morning. If you, do, if you want to give, you don't have a check, uh, we do have the ability to do a card. And uh, they'll take care of that for you guys this morning, okay? Um, but we just want to say we love you, Jonah. We love your family. We're praying for you. And you're part of this community, and we want to help out as much as we can. All right, buddy? Love you guys. All right. Um, all right, let's shift gears here a little bit. Um, so... Last week, what we're doing here is we're, we, we took part in a, we're taking part in a two-week sermon series, and we're calling it Elements, and the whole idea of kind of the periodic table, right? Uh, if you were in chemistry in high school, or if you're a chemist, or you, you're a little nerdy, not like me, but you'll see here, uh, there, there's elements of what make up things in the world, and for us as a church... What we're doing over these past two weeks is we're, we're talking about the things that make us who we are, right? Uh, so we're, we add a little bit of little Isaac Labrija into the mix, and a, a little bit of Frank Jardine into the mix, and a little bit of Naomi Poole in there, you know, and a little bit of Jonas Silva, and then we, we mix it all together, and then what we do is we, we go, ooh, that tastes good, right? Or else we go, hmm, something's missing in there. You know, it needs a little bit more of, you know, huh? <laughs> oh, more Frank? <laughs> we get more Lorelei. That's what it is. We need some more Lorelei in there, you know, et cetera, whatever it is. And, and until, we, until we taste this soup and we go, man, that's a, that's a good flavor. And it's not because it's just so it's pleasing us, but uh, what we're doing is we're asking the question, what pleases God? And, and really what we're doing is we're identifying who has God made us to be. And if God has made us to be a certain community of people, what does that say that we do? What does it say how we think, how we act, how we interact with each other, et cetera? And so um, just a little bit of a recap of last week, because I know a lot of us were gone and enjoying the Labor Day weekend. The first two that we went over, we, we said that we are a gospel-centered community. And what it means to be gospel-centered is that everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we speak, everything, all the ways that we interact with each other, the decisions that we make as a church are going to be through the lenses of the gospel. The fact that God is God, he's the creator, and he's holy, and he created man in his own image, 
And so therefore, you and I, part of creation, we have worth because we are created in the image of God, but yet we messed up, right? We see it Adam and Eve. They, they, they committed sin and they, we fell, and so that sin has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. And God in his loving kindness and wisdom, knowing that we messed up, him being perfect, said, hey, there's this chasm between the two of us. It's messed up. Him and his love for us, he made a way for us to be made right again with him. And he offered his only son, Jesus. And Jesus willingly became flesh and bore our sin on the cross. But it didn't just end there. He was victorious over sin and death. He resurrected from death three days later. And so because of that resurrection over sin and death, he ascends into heaven where he is now, still nail-pierced hands, a spear in his side, his feet pierced, and so he still bears the marks. Even though his body is perfected, he still bears the marks so that every time we look at Christ, we see that our sins have been eternally forgiven, which gives us eternal hope into the future, knowing that one day we will live in glory in heaven where everything will be made perfect. And that's the story of the gospel in a nutshell. And so we as a community say everything that we do, the way we we learn about our marriages, the way we learn about our parenting, how we work, how we be a boss or how we be an employee, how we treat one another, how we in, engage into the world when we go to the supermarket, when we drop our kids off at school, when, we, when we're standing in line at Disney, whatever we're doing, we do it through the lenses and through the truth of the gospel because we're gospel-centered. And we've also said because we're gospel-centered, we understand that every problem that we have is, is because of a lack of either understanding the full width of the gospel or it's applying the gospel to our lives. It's not, well, I just got to make myself stronger. I got to be my best self or I got to become the best version of myself or whatever, et cetera. We're saying, no, the reasons why I lack in this area, the reasons why I'm having trouble in life is because I'm not applying the truth of the gospel in its full width to who I am. And so we say we're a gospel-centered church. But then we also said we're spirit-empowered. We said at one moment, though we, we root ourselves and we base ourselves on the foundation of Scripture in the Word, we also know that this Christian life that God has called us to is not through our own power. It's not through our own ability. And that's the whole Christian faith. We didn't save ourselves. We didn't say, oh God, I'm, I'm, you know, I need you and I want, to, I want you. No, it was in the fact that we were sinners and we were still rejecting God. We believed that God reached down and saved us. And it was through the power of the Holy Spirit that we live this Christian life. The things that God has called us to do as Christians are impossible without the help of the Holy Spirit. Love thy neighbor as thyself. You ever try to do that? It'll only last for maybe a day. If you're really good, maybe a week. And if you're basing it on the ability that you have as a person to fulfill all of what God has called us to do, we're going to fail every time miserably because we understand that it's only through the empowering of the Holy Spirit that we're able to fulfill what Jesus has said to do. We believe that 
the Spirit of God is among us, even when we're singing in our worship times. We believe that God's presence is among us. We believe that God speaks to us. We believe that God, the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us into righteousness and into truth and in understanding the Bible so that we, so that we can live holy lives. Um, and so those are the first two things that we talked about last week. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to wrap it up, and I'm going to give us three things. So if you're taking notes, we said we're gospel-centered, spirit-empowered. This morning, I want to talk about the first one here, which is we are a community of disciples. Now, I added of disciples. Most of us may be familiar with the mantra we are a gospel-centered, spirit-filled, spirit-empowered community, but I want to add community of what? We are a community of disciples. So here we go. Let's launch in. 1 Corinthians, if you have your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 13. This is what Paul says to the church in Corinth. He's talking about the body of Christ. He says, for just as the body is, uh, is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So here's what Paul is encouraging the Corinth church. He's saying, yes, you are individual members, but you're all part of the whole. And here's what I would say to us this morning when we're asking ourselves, what does it mean to be a community? This idea of being a family. You ever hear the church say that? And I want to tell you guys, yes, 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 we are a family. We are a family first. We're not a corporation. We're not this organization of people who, who kind of all do the same thing. When God has saved us, he saves us into a family. He has adopted us. And that's part of the beauty of the gospel too, because when you become a Christian, you're not just saved and then you just kind of figure it out on your own, right? Remember we said that about the gospel, that the gospel is not just our initiation into Christianity, that the gospel is all of our Christianity, it's all of our sanctification process, it's all of that leading up to glory with God, it's all of Christian life. And if we're saying that's true, then there's this uh, there's this element of family that God has done in us and he doesn't just save us and put us in an organization. And then he, get, he rubber stamps and he gives you a number, 2,472, right? Where's 2,472? 2,472, you didn't take out the trash, 2,472. He doesn't do that. He says, you're my son, you're my daughter. And so we have this language of family. We're not a corporation, we're not an organization. Now, let's continue reading in 1 Corinthians. In, in verse 14, Paul says this, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, oof, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in, in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. 
So we all know this. We probably heard this preached before. But here's the problem with this. We all kind of know it, but we don't live it out. Some of us here this morning are saying, I'm not, I'm not the eye, so I'm not that important. I'm not the ear, so I'm not that important. I'm not one of the senses, like the, the up front. I'm not like Kelly or, or Ryan. I'm not up here talking every Sunday morning. It's not really that big of a deal if I'm not participating in the membership of the church. You ever, you ever hurt part of your body that you didn't realize that your body really needs that much? And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I didn't realize I used my lower back when I'm eating cereal. <laughs> I mean, your lower back affects everything in your body. I've, I've spasmed my muscles in my lower back probably eight times. I know you're thinking, this young man... How can he have done something like that? And let me tell you, you cannot, even, it's, you cannot even bend over the sink to get water on your toothbrush without going, ugh, ugh, right? Why? Because all the nerves are all up in here and the, your lower back, if, just the moment you move, you realize how much you take for granted this little area on your body. You ever stub your little pinky toe in the night? when you're trying to get to the bathroom or you step on a Lego when your kids leave out, what happens? Your whole body feels it. Ah! And that pain goes shooting through your whole body, right? And you're like, darn kids! That's what I say. There's no part of the body that's less important. And some of us here this morning are ears. Some of us are ear hairs. I don't know. I mean, maybe. Some of us are noses, eyes, Toes, belly buttons, whatever. We're all important to the body of Christ. And we're not allowed to say, they don't need me. And we're not allowed to say, I don't need you. See, it goes both ways. The problem is that we believe these lies, right? We believe these lies and say, well, if I don't show up to a gathering, it's not that big of a deal. You know, the church seems to be growing. Nobody will really notice that I'm not there. Man, we're all together. God's called us. Could you imagine if my, finger, my pinky finger this morning just said, no, not doing it. I'm not feeling it today. That's just not how I'm, you know. You do you, boo, right? I'm like, no, I need my pinky finger. We all need each other. And we need to reject the lies of the enemy that creep into our heads. Because we're battling all the time this isolation. Our culture tells us it's all about you, right? Do whatever makes you happy. It's all about whatever benefits you. You see people post things on Facebook or Instagram and like, I'm not even trying to be around haters and, and people who bring me down, right? All these kind of things. You know how self-centered that is? In the body of Christ, in a community, we're around people who bring us down all the time. But we're saying, that's okay, I love you, bring it. And then hopefully we're like, stop bringing me down. Let's do this together in Jesus. <laughs> but I, okay, that's... So here's the thing. If we're called to be a family, John chapter 13, he says this, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. I love it. It's beautiful language, right? It's beautiful language of family. 
But you know what? This is a flipping tall order. Have you ever loved anybody like Jesus loved you? Man, that's like daunting, impossible. Well, let's just go back to week one. We said we're spirit-empowered. We can't do this on our, own, on our own strength. Jesus gives us this commandment. He says, your family, love one another like I have loved you. We say you can't do it. And he says, I know it. I'm going to give you the empowering of the Holy Spirit to help you do it. The problem that we have with this verse again is that we love each other up to what extent? Right? Well, when it's, I'll love you until you say something bad about me. I'll love you until you don't, you don't acknowledge me when I walk through on Sunday morning and I, you, know, you didn't see me, so I'm going to get my feelings really. I'll love you until you ask me to help you move on a Saturday. I'll love you, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not what the body of Christ, that's not being a community. That's not what we've been called to do. We're called to love each other. How? Just as Jesus loved us, even when it hurts even when it seems impossible, even when you may think somebody's talking about you or thinking a certain way about you. See, love hopes all things, right? Goes through all things because Christ first loved us. Let me say this about family. You ever hear the, the idea of blood runs thicker than water? You hear that in like the old Western movies or something? Like, blood runs thicker than water. That's my best uh, Sam Elliott impersonation. Still got one good arm to hold you with, darling. Or ram trucks, all right? <laughs> blood runs thicker than water. What that's saying is, is like when family, you can't break the ties. You, you ever have, a, if you have a, like a sibling and you know, you're, you're fighting at home and like, no, it's my turn to play Nintendo, whatever it is, all that kind of stuff when you're a kid growing up or like, mom, you got more waffles than me. You know, you remember all that stuff, right? Or if you have kids, you know exactly. But what happens when those kids get on the playground and somebody who's not in the family starts picking on them? Uh-uh, that's my sister. <laughs> Hopefully that happens. <laughs> Only I'm allowed to pick on him, right? Because blood runs thicker than water. And that means, man, you, you, we, we do this thing called a membership class here. And, and part of what we say being a member is we talk about family. And part of being a family is that you are going to hurt each other. You ever been in a perfect family? You ever been in a family that never, ever had an argument or your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad or your kid or whatever it is, your auntie, uncle, whoever it is, never hurt your feelings? Man, will you adopt me if that's your family? There's no such thing. But when somebody hurts somebody in the family, what happens? The furthest they could go is up to their room in the same house because they're part of the family. And I guarantee you guys, there's going to be lots of opportunity here at Southlands to get your feelings hurt. Why? Because we're a family. I'm not perfect. Ryan's not perfect. You're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. We're a family. And so when we're losing out on the field and we're, we brought our bat and our ball and all the kids come together in the cul-de-sac and we're like, we're going to play stickball or, you know, over the line. And you're the one that brought the bat and the ball and you start to lose. What do you do? You go, I'm losing. I'm taking my bat and ball go, and going home. We don't do that. Why? Because we're family. We stick it out. We might say, yeah, this is tough sometimes. 
I feel like I'm losing. And a family goes up to the family member and says, man, that hurt. When you said that, that hurt my feelings. That hurt me. But you don't just take your ball and bat and go home and pout. And I'll find somewhere that's perfect and that will never hurt my feelings. Well, good luck with that because there's no such thing. Part of family is that we speak truth, but we speak truth in love. If you notice somebody in your family is doing something that's not right, is doing something wrong, what do you do? You say, hey, you know that when you speak to your wife this way, you know how like awkward that is for everybody else? And it's not very loving as a husband. Can I just point this out to you because I love you and I want you to grow? Hey, you know that there's this blind spot and I'm not sure if you're aware of it. And I'm not pointing this out to make you feel bad, but I'm pointing it out because I'm your brother, I'm your sister in Christ. And I want you to, to, to be the full potential of what God has called you to do. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to speak truth, but in love to you. That's hard to do, right? Because nobody here is saying, hey, everyone just point out all my like, blind spots. No one, no one says that. It's more like, who asked you, right? But a family speaks truth, but truth in love. See, this is all of who we are. This is who God's called us to be. It's not just a community, it's a community who speaks truth and love. It's not just a community, but it's a community who's all in. We stick together. We say blood runs thicker than water here at Southlands. Now, here's some more family stuff. You ready for this one? Families have family chores. Oh, isn't that exciting? My kids are like, Families have family chores. Let me tell you this. Well, let me tell you this story. One of my best friends, his dad was talking about this one time, and I love this example. He was a kid, and he was playing with his friend, and they were out. It was a summertime, and they were just, I don't know, they were like building a fort or something, you know, just like in the thick of doing what they were doing at the moment. And all of a sudden, his friend says, hey, I got to go. And he's like, where are you going? He goes, oh, today is blah, blah, blah. I got to go do my chores. My friend's dad tells him, man, do your chores, that's lame, we're like doing this. And he, as he's walking away, the friend turns away and goes, hey, I love my family. And just starts and walks home. Now, that to be said, we got family chores here at church. And it's not, it's not just like the nitty gritty that's happening today, but we got family chores that happen on Sunday morning. Uh, that's why we do serve teams. And and I know, I know the, 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 the argument against, it, against this, but let me just speak to it. I don't feel called to take the trash out at home, believe it or not. Did you know that? See, the moms are laughing. I don't feel a special anointing to pick up my underwear and put it in the dirty clothes. I don't have the glory of the Shekinah God coming down and filling my, my faculty with the empowerment to clean the windows or wipe down the counter. I do that because I love my family. I love my wife. I love my kids. You guys listening to this, by the way? And I know some of us here this morning say, I, I don't feel called to this specific area to serve in the life of the church. You know what I would say to that? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> 
If you have called Southlands your home, this is your family, then there's family chores to be done. And if you're waiting to feel called to your puppet ministry, it may be a long time coming before that happens. But there are areas that we need people to serve and to fill the family chores. We have kids ministry. There's people in there right now who are taking care of our kids. And they're not just babysitting our kids. We have a, everything, like I said, we do is through the center of the gospel. They are teaching our kids what it means to live a life through the lenses of the gospel. Man, I wish I grew up with that in, in Sunday school as a kid. What is the gospel? And we need people to serve our kids so that more of us in here this morning don't have to be like, little Johnny, be quiet, right? They're serving us as a body. There's people who serve on the, on the uh, uh, Shane. Where are you at? Shane, I think, Shane has not been off the base maybe twice since we started here in a year. Now, that's amazing. But where y'all at, bass players, okay? <laughs> yeah. And I'm not trying to guilt trip us, but what I'm trying to encourage us to say, guys, if you've been enjoying the community, if you've been enjoying the Sunday mornings being served, enjoy it. But can I encourage you this morning to go, I'm gonna then give back and serve this community because this is my family. And I'm going to take out the trash. I'm going to wipe down the counters. I'm going to give back so that other people can feel what I've got while I was here. Okay? You guys okay? All right. All right. All right. Thanks. All right. Now, that's kind of serious stuff. And if you feel manipulated by that, it's not my intention to manipulate you. My, my intention is to encourage us, okay? And to, and to be family. Because these are just things that family does. But at the other side of it, Family has fun together. Yes. Fam oh, come on. Marianne's the only one that thought that was exciting. Now listen, if we're not having fun doing this stuff, what are we doing? Sure. <laughs> Part of doing this stuff together is that we should be having fun. We should be laughing together loud and often. And just like comments from the peanut gallery, okay? <laughs> and one of the things that we have said here at this church is that we're not going to take ourselves too seriously. We're going to take Jesus and his gospel seriously. But we're not going to take ourselves too seriously. We're not going to be the kind of Christians that walk around thinking we're all like, well, I know this stuff about the doctrine of justification and propitiation. And because I know so much about God, it makes me grumpy. What? No. The more you know about God, the happier, the more joyful your life should be. There should be a big grin on your face all the time. And the more that we all have the same understanding, we're like Dorothy skipping down the golden brick road. Excited about what God has called us to do. So when it's our turn to serve on a Sunday morning, we're like, this is amazing. I get to give back. This is fun. And when it's not, this is amazing. I get to enjoy the community. And when we have a Sunday fun day in a park, this is amazing. People are doing watermelon eating contests. There's watermelon coming all down their face. People are, there's a terrible trophy kickball. I mean, there's just, we get out into the communities, our life groups, it's, it's so fun when we get together. It's not, we're not all grumpy and like how serious and we're a fun people. We're family, and families should have fun. I don't know what kind of family you grew up. Maybe you're Von Trapp kind of deal. 
But that's not who God's called us to. Part of being a family is that we encourage each other, we have fun together. We celebrate, here's the other thing, we celebrate each other's victories, right? When somebody, Joe gets a promotion, gets a brand new job, I don't go, oh, I didn't get a brand new job. Man, how come all the good stuff happens to Joe? God doesn't like me as much. And then we start to try to bring him down to make ourselves feel better. No, when Joe gets a promotion, when Joe gets a job, I'm like, dude, it's awesome. Go Joe. Go Joe. <laughs> this is why we do life groups together. Go sign up for a life group today after service, okay? All right. So we're not just a community. We're a community of what? We're a community of disciples. Let me try to explain this for us, what a, what a disciple is. Sometimes we hear the word disciple and we think, oh, that's like hardcore. That's heavy, right? That is like, that's for like the, like, you know, like the extra top tier of Christians. No, it's not. If you call yourself a Christian, you should be a disciple of Jesus. So the word disciple comes from the, the root word of discipline. And to discipline isn't necessarily like to beat down. We always think of discipline as like punishment. No, to discipline means that we sit under the submission of a master or teacher, right? So if you have like a, um, uh, an, a, a, a master plumber or a master electrician, that, that person has underneath them an apprentice, and they're teaching them how to do electricity. Well, that's not the right word of saying it, but how to be an electrician, how to be a plumber, how to do these skills. And so they, the person who's the, the journeyman or the apprentice submits themselves under the discipline of the master. Now, who's our master? It's Jesus. It's not the church. It's not me. It's not the laws that, or the culture that we have here at Southlands. It is Jesus. So we're called to be disciples of Jesus only, okay? And we submit ourselves under the authority of who Jesus is. So I want to I say this in, in the light of being a disciple. Being a disciple of Jesus is not just the fact that he's our Savior, Often what we do is we, we love to lean that way and we say, oh, Jesus is my Savior. He, yes, he is our Savior, but he's also our Lord. He's also our Master. And so we don't just, to get in, just enjoy just the fact that Jesus saved us from our sins. Yes, we do. We live that out. But we also submit ourselves to the will of our Master, Jesus. And he's a good Master. He's a good Lord. He's loving. He's not harsh. It's easy to sit under submission of Jesus because he loves us. But it's hard because he calls us to surrender all of our life to him. Let's look at this. This is some pretty hardcore scripture here. Uh, Luke chapter 14, it says this in verse 25. It says, now great crowds accompanied him, speaking of Christ, and he turned, he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my, be my disciple. Wow. Is Jesus saying hate your family? No, what he's actually saying there is just, let's straighten this out. He's saying in the comparison of the submission and the love that you have for me, 
your affection, your submission, your way of life, giving yourself over to your family is, is like hate. It's like, man, I, I will do whatever it takes to follow Jesus. And if that means denying my family, I'll do it. That's some pretty harsh stuff, right? Whoever does not bear his own cross, the cross speaking of death and giving up your life and come after me cannot be my disciple. Let's uh, skip down. Well, no, let's just read it. Verse 28. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation is not able to finish, all all who see it begin to mock him. So basically what Jesus is saying here, hey, if you're going to come follow me, consider the cost. Don't just jump into this willy-nilly because it's going to require all of who you are. Not just the outside stuff, but the inside stuff, the things that are going on in your heart, the way that you think about other people, the way that you look, about, look at other people, the way you feel about other people. At Southlands, to be a disciple, we're saying we're an all-in kind of people. And if you're familiar with poker, excuse the illustration but it's the fact that when you're saying, hey, I'm all in, you're giving all of who, what you have left, all your chips, you're putting it on the table and saying, take it all. And we, we're saying the same thing. Jesus, I'm a disciple of you. I'm putting it all on the table. I'm not holding anything back from you. The way I treat this family, the way I treat my immediate family, the way I love you, the way I serve, all of who I am, I'm surrendering it all. I'm putting it all my chips in. And do with me whatever you want. And that's who God's called us to be here at this church. We're a community, but we're a community of disciples. So what does a disciple do? Some practical things. A disciple devotes themselves to scripture, right? If we want to know who Jesus is, how to, how, what we think he thinks, we devote ourselves to scripture. Who is God? What does that mean for me? Well, I'm going to have to devote myself to Scripture. But it also means that we devote ourselves to prayer. I mean, part of our community, we pray, we pray once a month. This coming Wednesday, we have this thing called 133, which is based on the idea of Psalm 133, or how good it is when brothers dwell together in unity, where all, all four of our communities are going to come together and we're going to pray together. Why? Because we're disciples of Jesus. We pray. We say we're dependent on you, God. Uh, another thing that uh, a, a, a disciple of Jesus does is we serve one another, and we talked about that already. Last thing here. So this morning we said we're community, so that means that we're a family, what that community is. But we're not just a community. We're a community of disciples. So we are gospel-centered, spirit-empowered, community of disciples. And the last one is this. We are on mission. In order to be a disciple, you have to make disciples. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 28. He tells his disciples in verse 19, he says, Go, therefore, and what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then he says this interesting thing in verse 20 which we sometimes scare ourselves away from, it says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is an incredible gift that we've been given, guys, of salvation. 
This is an incredible gift of family, community, discipleship that we've been given. And we say it's such a privilege that we've been, we've been given it, and so therefore we don't want to hoard it for ourselves. We want others to partake, others to share in this gospel-centered, spirit-empowered community of disciples that are on mission. We want others to taste and see what this, is, what this Christian life is about. And we understand that being a disciple also means there, for in Matthew chapter 28, it says, he tells the disciples, go now and make disciples of all nations. Now the problem with this is, this has become the missionary verse, right? A church has missionaries. And you might have like a, a felt board in the back with somebody's picture with a piece of yarn with a pin from like Chino to Madagascar, right? And then from Chino to somewhere in Mongolia or Africa or whatever it is, and we go, oh, there's the missionaries of the church. I want to tell you, no. You know where the missionaries of the church are? They're all sitting in these seats, standing right here. We're all missionaries in the church. You know where your mission field is? It's Chino. It's Ontario. Chino Hills, Diamond Bar, Pomona, Brea. It's when you go to work. It's when you go to school. It's when you do what you do every day of your life because that's our mission field. We don't have the elect set-aside missionaries here. We're all missionaries. We all have areas of influence that God has called us to. Now, I want to say this. How can we make disciples if we're grumpy and selfish? The question is, are you a blessing into your mission field? Do your neighbors think you're a blessing? Or do your neighbors think you're the guy that calls the cops every second? Or throws dog poop over the fence? <laughs> hey, that happens. Or snarls when you drive by. Oh, you were up till 1 a.m. That's me, honestly. <laughs> or would your neighbor go, man, that guy, every time he comes over and he offers to help with something, he's always smiling. I don't know what it is about this person, but I just like, love being around them. They're, I feel blessed when I'm around them. I wonder what makes them different. I wonder why they're not grumpy. I wonder why they're not territorial about their house. I wonder when, man, that guy in the line today, you know, somebody at Starbucks, they paid for me in front. I wonder what it was. Why they did that? I'd like to thank them for that. Are you blessing into your context? Oh, man. So God's called us to be on mission. Man, here, here even in the, you know, it's not just when you leave here. It's what happens here Sunday morning. We're going to be a welcoming community. There's, there might be people who walk into our, our doors on a Sunday morning who don't look like we look like, smell like we smell like, like the same foods, like the same, whatever it is, may have a certain way of life that we don't deem fitting. Oh, that's not Christian. You know what? That's not what God's called us to do here. He's called us to welcome everybody in. And here's, the, here's why I'm saying this, unless you start getting scared, like, are you saying we're just going to, like, do whatever here? No, I'm not saying that. But part of discipling, making disciples, did you know that process starts before someone becomes a Christian? You know that you can disciple somebody at your work before they say yes to Jesus? You could start helping them and under, you know, it, what God's called us to be here is a funnel. We're called to be a funnel. What does a funnel do? It pours, it, 
it catches the big stuff and it centers it down to a specific area that needs it. What the church has historically done is turn that funnel upside down, right? And we get all the specific stuff. Oh no, if you're going to be at Southlands, you got to dress like this, like in this little tiny point here. And you got to talk like this. And you got to look like this. And you got to do this this many times a week. And you got, that stuff's junk. See, what God's called us to say is we welcome. Come experience the love of Jesus. And the more you experience the love of Jesus, let me help you understand why that means that we surrender our life to God in this area of our sexuality. See, I understand that when you first came in the big old open area of the funnel, you didn't really have an understanding of what God's calling you to. All you knew at first was like the love of, of God and, and this people were really welcoming. But as you've stayed here a little bit longer, the, the, the people around you start saying, hey, did you know that God loves you so much that you can surrender this area of your life to him? And they're like, man, thank you for telling me that. Right? See, that's how discipleship works. The big end gets all the stuff. The little end is what refines us and makes us more like Jesus. And when we flip that upside down, we've done the wrong thing as a church. And we shoot ourselves in the foot when it comes to being on mission because we say a disciple looks like, you'll never be a disciple. You're not welcome here. Nope, that's not who God's called us to be. We're a gospel-centered, spirit-empowered community of disciples on mission. Why? Because we want to make much of Jesus every day and everywhere. That's what God's called us to do. Let's stand together.